Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. And welcome to another edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby. Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby Lubitz on the Believe Network. And uh, this is great, too, because uh, it was through Believe and its founder, uh, the great Bron, that we first came across this gentleman who uh, came by our booth when we were doing a radio broadcast yes. uh, from a radio row location for uh, one of the many Super Bowls that we covered. Uh, I want to say this is going back circa maybe three, four years yes. ago. yes. And uh, Luby uh, comes to me and says, uh, hey, hey, you want to talk to this guy, Josh Booty? And I'm like, uh, this guy, Josh Booty, I mean, uh, this was a guy that was on like the 97 Marlins World Series team. He was a number seven overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft yep. and starred as a quarterback after on when everybody wanted his services at Louisiana State. What well, was uh, just a dynamite athlete uh, across two sports. Uh, and uh, I, I thought, yeah, sure, I want to talk to Josh Booty. But uh, we, we didn't know exactly where he was going to be coming from. And uh, we came away thinking, how impressive was that guy? Yep. And he has his own podcast on Believe Network, uh, which uh, he does a great job on talking about uh, the SEC. So it's a pleasure to welcome to After Hours with Defoe and Luby on his own network. Uh, the great Josh Booty joins us here on the show. Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Thank you for that intro, man. That was impressive. <laughs> I, uh, it's always fun to join you guys. And, and uh, not to correct you, but to correct you, fifth overall pick now wow. with the Marlins way oh, back. Oh, there you go. Well, there was a lot of excitement yeah, about uh, you uh, coming in as a baseball player. And uh, how difficult was that decision? Because obviously – you were a hot prospect as a football player and later on distinguished yourself as such at a major college program in the SEC. But, uh, you know, I mean, I would imagine they were waving some pretty good cash around being uh, the fifth overall pick in a major league baseball draft. Uh, so uh, how did you come to the decision to uh, first try pro baseball? Well, it was, uh, you know, a, a great market being here in Miami where I live now and, and it being a new franchise and, and so they didn't have many players, um, you know, in the minor league system that they had stockpiled at that time. So I had even big league call ups in my contract, um, September stuff. Um, you know, that was '94 draft. So I was in the big leagues by 1996, and then was able to be on that World Series team in '97. Started opening day '98, but the 
the really the reason I, I signed with the Marlins was the the bonus was nice, but because of you know first round money's good, but at the same time it was more the opportunity to um, you know push myself up the ladder faster than if I was would have been like say with the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers or the Cubs, you know they were they, those teams have had been around for a long time and the Marlins were brand new and then Wayne Huizinga was such a generous owner. Uh, I knew it was a good situation for me to get to the big leagues fast, and that's that's what I wanted to do, and and uh, was able to you know to go through the minors and hit the single A and you know New York Penn League and single A and double A, Portland Maine triple A, some in Charlotte, but uh, I was able to get to the big leagues pretty quickly in that organization. So it gave me a real chance uh, to see what big league ball was all about. You know, I was a football player. I was going to play shortstop and quarterback at LSU coming out of high school and then sign that deal with the Marlins where I had no football clause. So I had to sit four or five years out of football. And my dad's a football coach. I've got three little brothers. They all played, you know, big-time football, two of them. Uh, you know, one at, FC, uh, one at LSU and one at USC, uh, quarterback for Pete Carroll and, and into the NFL. So we were a football family. I was, I was kind of an outlier, but I wasn't the first one. Uh, first boy uh, in our family. So, anyways, I, I was a baseball guy growing up. I loved it. And I had to give myself a shot because I, I just always loved baseball, just like I did football. But when I got to baseball, I missed football a lot, especially in the off season. So I said, man, I want to be the first guy that could, you know, that maybe could ever play both at the same time, like Bo or Dion. And it was just very, very difficult because as a quarterback. Um, you know, you're only as good as the people around you, first of all. And then second of all, it takes so much time away from baseball. And you're like the CEO of the organization. And I found that out quick at LSU. I had to, I had to be there year round. Um, it wasn't something where I could just helicopter in and play a game. You know, it's just, it just, you can't do it like that. And, you know, Dion and those guys that play in different yeah. positions, Bo maybe playing running back and DB, but not quarterback. You have to be there. Um, or you just you're way behind because you don't know the playbook, or, or and you have to be the leader as well as be, being a quarterback, being a leader. Josh Booney with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby, uh, and uh, it was interesting because uh, doing the calculations here. So you're three years out of high school, and you're on a team that's contending uh, for a pennant, and ultimately goes on to win the World Series. But it wasn't like you were with uh, another bunch of young guys who, who were uh, executing and orchestrating this rise. Dealing Dave Dombrowski uh, changed uh, the entire face of the franchise across uh, the two years that, that you were uh, in the bigs uh, in 96 and 97. So, so you're a young guy hanging out with like Bobby Bonilla yeah, and Gary Sheffield. Uh, that, that had to be quite an experience for you. It was. Um, I've got many, many stories that's for sure Bobby Bo was one of the nicest guys um I'd ever met and uh Gary Sheffield took me kind of under his wing he was a tailback uh you know out of Tampa so he was a football guy so he showed some real interest in me when I got to the big leagues and was in spring training and, and all that and I'm still good friends with with Gary not as much with Bobby I don't see him but you know we had guys like Al Leiter and Kevin Brown and Conine and and Moisey Zalou and Darren Dalton, who deceased, it's just unbelievable. It, it, we've we already lost Darren Dalton. But, you know, Charles Johnson was a young player at catcher. He was a great player. I'm trying to name some of them. Devon White was brought in from Toronto. Center fielder was an awesome player. Uh, you know, we had a 
we had a good nucleus. Edgar Torilla was my age. Um, Louis Castilla was my age. Levon Hernandez was my age. So we had some young guys. Mark Cotze was a year or so older than me. Um, I was trying to think of all the guys. We had some really, we had some household names when you talk about Sheffield and Al Leiter and Kevin Brown and Bobby Bowe. And, and I remember a few times where Al Leiter, I was 19 or 20, and Al Leiter would be like, hey, you're going with me, kid. We're going out tonight. And we'd nice. go out in New York or <laughs> City nice. or whatever. And I, hey, you know, I'm, I'm coming from Podunk, Shreveport, Louisiana, Bible Belt, and I'm now with Al Leiter yeah. in New York. It's just, it was it was unbelievable. You're, you're right. It was, a, it was an eye-opener, but what an experience for a young kid to get. And, um, man, I was just trying to fit in with those guys. It was, it was super fun to try. <laughs> was Kevin Brown as much of a prick uh, to the other players as he was to the media? <laughs> he was despised yeah, he out was, here by he was, most of the local press. Yeah, he was a tough cookie. Um, you know, he was a, he was a, he worked extremely hard. Um, he's, you know, yeah. big, tall, righty, threw so, so hard uh, with that sinker and slider. He was nasty as a pitcher I've ever faced, to be honest with you. And a lot of guys would tell you the same thing. Um, just just pure uh, adrenaline on the mound, too. And, and I don't know if I'm not calling him out, but, it, but the guy was an absolute animal in the weight room. And so he was he was nuts, man. He was, he was obsessed with, uh, you know, I guess winning and getting bigger, faster, stronger all the time. And he didn't have a lot of time to talk to the guys. And so, and especially the media, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, but as a player, that's the guy you want to play behind yeah. because he was like, uh, you know, he's just a workhorse and uh, threw so hard and, and got a lot of people out, man. He made people look stupid and he broke a lot of bats and it, you know, so there's a lot of good to him, but yeah, he was a he was a tough cookie to kind of crack uh, as compared to some of the others. Josh Booney with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby, Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lewitz here on Believe. Uh, all right, let's transition to some football. Uh, did you have uh, an opportunity or, or an experience at the fabled NFL Combine uh, coming out of LSU? Uh, mm -hmm. what, what was your position on that? Oh yeah, um, went to the combine, competed in the combine. I, I was um, kind of paired with Drew Brees the entire time. Oh, wow. We were at the, you know, B B is the same, same last name, and I was talking to Sage Rosenfeld last yesterday. Actually, um, he's living in Omaha, Nebraska now. He's a good friend and was in that draft and at that combine with me. We were talking through some of the stuff that we remembered at the combine, and and Drew. Had, had really had a rough day uh, throwing when we had our throwing day. And, you know, you go through all the drills, and he was fantastic. And then we go out on the field and throw. And I remember us coming off to the side. And it's one of the stories that I remember, quite frankly, is, you know, come off the side, and he was really embarrassed with the way he threw. And, and I remember calling my dad and go, man, Drew, this kid's supposed to be a first-rounder. But, man, he had – I don't know if he can hit a curl route. Oh, wow. <laughs> And, <laughs> you know, and so it was it was kind of funny because you fast forward now and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer uh, by all means. But at that day in the combine, it was it wasn't his best day. And he was really struggling throwing curl routes versus air. And I was like, man, how's this guy even here? And um, and so I've mentioned that a few times in radio shows and different things I've done. And, you know, the guy was just a super competitive guy. And then he got in the in, in a 
uh, you know, I guess when the lights turned on, he just, he turned it on, you know, he was that kind of guy. And, and so at the combine, he had a bad day, but that's one of the things I remember is I was, I called my dad and how stupid is it now that, and said, you know, I don't think this guy's going to be very good at all. I can't <laughs> believe he's even just drafted. And now he's, you know, lead second leading, you know, passing yards guy of all time. So, I mean, there's some funny stories. Uh, Ocho Cinco was the receiver that I was paired up with, and I thought he was just absolutely fabulous. He was, he was the best receiver I'd ever thrown to, uh, you know, up until that point, and maybe still today. I mean, I've, I've thrown balls with some great ones like Keenan Allen and Michael Irvin and guys like that, but Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, was fabulous at the combine. He caught everything. And, uh, you know, just a speed burner that knew what he was doing and was confident. And I, those are some of the things I do remember from the combine. And it, it was super fun. Uh, we, uh, we didn't, we didn't get outfitted like they do now that everybody looks good in their outfits. We, we had like double extra large shirts and terrible <laughs> shorts and, you know, it's it just a different deal now. The media has got a hold of it and Nike and everybody else. So it's fun to watch now. Well, we're, uh, this after hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe po- Believe Network. It used to be Believe Podcast Network. Believe Network. We're talking with one only Josh Booty, who does uh, SEC show here and has so many things going on. We're going to talk to him more about what he has in the works. But Josh, we always focus on uh, the combine from like an analyst perspective, a fan perspective. But as a player, you just mm-hmm. said it. Like Drew Brees was good at Purdue, was good at with the Chargers, and great with New Orleans. Like as a player. How does the combine resemble actually playing a game? Because, again, it's easy to throw to nothing, but sometimes it's harder to throw to nothing when you don't have anyone rushing at you, when you don't have a defensive back out there. Like, as a player, how does the combine resemble football for you guys? Yeah, it is a false sense of reality. I think it's a way for people to eyeball, um, you know, teams to eyeball players. And you've seen the many, many – y'all might have been – to the combine before, but you see many, many pictures of, of guys walking across the stage like Tom Brady and taking their shirt off. It's like a meat market, yeah. but you know, it's a, it's a privilege to be there. So I don't want to call it a meat market. I just think that, you know, these guys, they all, they want to see how they stack up against one another, how the ball comes off their hand. Uh, I'm thinking about quarterbacks, but it's a, it's a strength and conditioning test too. When you talk about verticals and, uh, you know, shuttles and, and they do stretching. Uh, you know, they, they test your how well your body stretch and, and stretches and bends. I mean, it's the craziest thing. It's like you're going through um, you know, a process where then you go and, and have the interviews as well. And that's a huge process of it. So they're trying to get into your head and then they're trying to see how you stack up against other guys just throwing the football versus air and different things. There's, there is no seven on seven. There is no one-on-one there is no team drill so it is a false sense of reality and a lot of guys jump off the page physically but then in games um you know it, it, it doesn't translate it's like being a five o'clock hitter we call it um you know it's a guy that can hit the ball out of the ballpark and bp but when live pitching happens he just he he can't do it and uh, there's a lot of players that have been you know howitzer arms uh physical specimens and then they get out there and they can't play on Sunday, or, or you know, even guys that, that that haven't been able to really do the deal on Saturday, turn the ball over too much, or or can't you know call the plays and get out of the huddle. I mean, this the quarterback position, especially such a cerebral position. It's like if you look at the very best guys, they're fearless, they're confident, but they're smart. And you know, 
I think football players get a bad rap, especially offensive linemen. You got to be smart to play the game. There's so much that you have to learn every week. It's like studying for a midterm and prepping for, you know, that challenge or that test. Everybody's different. Every every coach, every player, every position is different when you go in uh, week in, week out on Sundays. And so I think that's the one thing that gets overlooked is is those guys. They're in there interviewing with teams as well, and those guys are absolutely hammering them with things that they have to, you know, they'll they'll go through plays, they'll go through calls, and then they'll ask them at the end of the session, what did I say about this, you know, the corner blitz, or how do you, you know, how, how do you protect yourself versus this look or something like that, and and you have to be able to answer some of that. If you're not, you look very very stupid, and I think that's one thing that gets left out of this whole draft process is the behind the scenes. In the uh, in the room with the team on the board uh, in that kind of setting because that's where you have to be good. I'm sure Drew Brees killed that, and guys like Philip Rivers and and Brady and Rogers and Manning, those are guys that are so smart. Uh, that's half of it, and that's why they became the elite elite because they added that. Uh, you know, you you add that to athletic ability, and it's really really good. Talking with the great Josh Booty here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Michael Luby, Lubitz on Believe. Uh, uh, we have the same question coming in every year at the Combine, Josh, and uh, it's yet to be determined the answer. And that is uh, how unauthentic is Charlie Casserly's hairpiece? Which, uh, you know, he's usually in the front row there making some notes there. And, you know, the only thing we're thinking, there's nothing going on. Some linemen are running 40-yard dash times, which now, I mean, uh, Luby says that they uh, brought in some kind of a new – uh, an inaccurate clock because uh, everybody's running like four six. Uh, you know, even Rich Eisen was timed in five one this year. So you know, and, and a lot of people think it's all BS, but that that was a very interesting illustration of uh, what they possibly could get out uh, of the combine. And yet, uh, teams repeatedly uh, also seem to ignore all of the interview process stuff that they gathered and uh, go ahead and get some numbskull who goes out there and screws up his career. You know, the very first year after being picked in the top five. So, uh, you know, I, I guess yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, as much of an inexact science uh, at the combine as it is when they're actually making the selections in the draft. All right. All right uh, one more thing, because uh, we're curious you know, your opinion on this being uh, Mr. SEC. Uh, do you believe that, that Nick and Jimbo are really as upset about the name, image and likeness rules being altered that they really think it's going to be detrimental to the game or... Uh, do you think they're full of crap because uh, they basically are the two schools that are benefiting the most from uh, having all of this capital available to uh, make deals with kids before they uh, even uh, take a snap? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've played for both of them. Um, know them well, uh, both old school guys in terms of how they think. Um, you know, they're not new generational guys. Jimbo uh, probably is a little closer to that because of his age and, and and kind of how he carries himself um, to the younger kids. But um, they both built up such big reputations and names, and they're at amazing universities. So I think, you know, I think it can work to their advantage, especially the transfer portal. But, uh, you know, the rich get richer. Um, but I, I do see how, they, how they're thinking that this thing could get out of hand and cause a lot of issues and problems, even amongst your team. Um, you know, they have so many great players that come to both those schools, especially Alabama in the past 20 years. Um, it'd be hard to keep a pulse on everything that's going on around there because, every, you know, agents are swirling around there and they're trying to run an organization. 
and win a you know win national championships. So there's a lot of outside noise that, that affect the inside and inner workings of, of the team. And so I think that's one thing that they uh, probably have thought about a lot is, you know, how does this affect our team? What do I need to do to make sure that we stay on top of every single thing? And they have people to help them, but they're old school too. Saban, he, he you know, he, he has tons of energy and he'll tell you, uh, he doesn't even require sleep, but at the same time, this is a new way of thinking the NIL deals and, and uh, the transfer portal managed changing the entire, you know, look of college football and feel of college football and the loyalty of college football for these kids. They have to recruit the kids almost every, every day inside their own QB room or their own position group rooms. And that's one thing that they'll tell you they didn't used to have to do because no one wanted to transfer and have to lose a year. So the game has changed. Uh, they're they're once they got kids on campus, they could treat them like, you know, it could be military-esque. Now it can't be like that as much because these kids, they'll go somewhere else if they're not playing or not happy or or they, for some reason, don't want to be there. And so it's a different game, and I don't think these guys like it, but they're in positions where they have to win national championships and they've won them and, and everybody wants to come and play for them. So they've got to handle, you know, both sides of the coin now and um, – you know, I don't know what's going to happen with all these rules and regulations and NIL stuff and transfer portal stuff in the future, but right now it's a wild west, and so they've got to get used to it. All right, so uh, I play in tennis uh, a couple of nights ago with a friend of mine. I'm down uh, four love, love 40, and, uh, you know, it looks like I'm going to go on and lose a set. A guy starts popping off, so I, I say to him, hey, listen, Big Jack, uh, you want to bet dinner tonight? on, uh, you know, my ability to come back and win this set. So I come back, I win the set, Josh Booty, I mean, in dramatic fashion, 7-5. And, uh, you know, I say, okay, so where are we going to dinner? And the guy says, oh, no, we didn't have any bet. So and now, now you have a solution for yep. this because uh, this is something that is not uncommon, especially with the deadbeats that I hang out with. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you have this, like, innovative app coming out that I think is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we uh, we're really excited about it. It's called it's if, if you're online, it's BulaChallenge.com, B-U-L-A Challenge.com. But um, we're launching in June. We're super excited about it. We've been working on this thing for about a year or so. It, it's a global play. It's um it's a challenge there wager anytime, anything, anybody, anywhere uh, for the whole world to see. So we're taking us the social. Uh, uh, it's called a social call to action app or a social challenge app where you can memorialize a bet, wager, dare, challenge in about 10 seconds for the whole world to see with someone. If they accept the Bula, then it goes live. It's blockchain driven on the immutable ledger is how they say it. And, um, you know, there's all kind of things wrapped around that, but it'll be fun. It's, uh, it's kind of like TikTok and, and Venmo combined so that when you make a bet, it, it's, it's sticky. And um, everybody's going to see it and everybody's going to know you can trash talk, but then there's a verdict at the end of, of the match. So if you win your tennis match, then you will be awarded the winner. Uh, you can create judges and all that around there too. If you oh, don't wow. trust the person you're gambling with. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we I don't trust this we, guy. We I, think it's sure. next. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I could, I could hear it in your voice. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, uh, that's, that's really it in a nutshell. It's, you know, if you think about all past social, 
it's uh, past to present. It's all about content, but it's like oh, I ate at this restaurant or we're at this game or, or you know, here's a picture, uh, a selfie or a group pic. We're we're thinking more what's future of social. We think it's uh, we think it's present to future, not past to present. And this gives you a real look into the future because you can bet. Okay, who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? It's a blank canvas. You can memorialize it. You can create the odds. It's a hundred to hundred. Well, I, I like the personalization of it because uh, Luby claims he's a 200 average bowler from the past, right? And I, I want to bet him, uh, you know, whatever. Well, I'm not that substantial now. amounts I of money I can now. that he couldn't throw a 150 if I handed him uh, like a ball that was, uh, you know, originally in the possession of Dick Weber. I mean, uh, it, it's great. I mean, this sounds like a lot of fun, too, because, uh, you know, there should be a way to uh, record this sort of thing. And then. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, I, I would be eating steak tonight if, if uh, you know, we were That's part right. of the Bula Challenge. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, that development. Yeah, we'll exciting. talk to you more about right. it uh, as it gets closer to the time where, where this is going to come into play. Uh, Josh, always a pleasure, my You're friend. Man, always Josh. fascinating stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's great. We could throw anything at you, even a joke question. And, uh, you know, you play for these guys, yes, Nick Saban and Jimbo. So uh, and that's what we love about you. And that's yeah. why your podcast is so successful. Very knowledgeable, insightful. Thank uh, thanks you. so much for joining us here on After Hours. Yeah, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Anytime, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Josh right, Booty, ladies and gentlemen. Interesting people that he came in contact with, huh? I mean, imagine, uh, you know, he's like, what, out of high school three years. So he's 21 years old, maybe, and he's hanging out in New York City with Al Leiter, who owns the place. And also, you can follow him on Twitter. I meant to say, at JoshBooty10, at JoshBooty10. This app seems freaking cool, so definitely a guy you're going to want to get involved with. And he's always great when it comes to football, at JoshBooty10. Yeah, and a podcast on uh, Believe that uh, he has uh, with uh, the SEC. I mean, uh, dives deeply into all things SEC. I mean, uh, this is absolutely fantastic. We appreciate Josh Booty uh, being with us here on the uh, program. I mean, uh, you you could have your Paul Feinbaum's, man. I'll take Josh Booty's partner on the podcast uh, any day in a week. For Mike Luby Lubitz, uh, people, it's a pleasure being with you. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz, leaving you with the thought that no matter where you're at, no matter what the price of gasoline is, people, you just got to believe. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant And you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Highly apart. Recently, we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to 10 times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954-809-8752. 
Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.